Hi, I'm Elizabeth Noyce, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. McGurk! I Do love typing. Do not mess in. with my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you <laughs> like it? It's being, becoming a human burrito, a plus or a minus. I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Kira. I love that. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther Boardroom or Ballroom. Because really? She looks like a boss in this coat. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther. It's not just Lena being mean. No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. So fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio of Tomorrow, your source for Tom King's comic run on Supergirl titled Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are live and wired and ready to discuss and review Supergirl uh, Woman of Tomorrow number four, which was written by Tom King, penciled and inked by Bilkis Evely, and colored by Mateus Lopez. And we'll definitely have to have them on uh, the podcast to get them to correctly pronounce it because I always feel like I'm not <laughs> pronouncing their <laughs> names correctly and I always feel so bad about it. So maybe in the future, uh, we'll get someone to uh, officially pronounce it for us. Uh, so we are going to discuss that. But before we uh, do that, we need to get to the news. According to DCComics.com, actress Nicole Maines is bringing the character of Nia Nall and her superhero alter eager Dreamer to the pages of Superman, Son of Kal-El. Uh, Maines will be co-writing Superman, Son of Kal-El number 13 with series writer Tom uh, Taylor. I'm so excited to work with Nicole Maines to bring Dreamer from the screen to the pages of Superman, Son of Kal-El, and to the DC Comics universe, said Tom Taylor. I want to thank all the people at DC who have championed Dreamer and who recognize the importance of this powerful trans superhero in this time. Uh, John Kent and Nianal are two characters that have a lot in common, both as superheroes with the weight of the world on their shoulders and as young people with impossibly big shoes to fill, said uh, Nicole Maines, weaving their stories together for Superman, son of Kal-El, with Tom was a complete pleasure, and there is only a little pun intended when I say <laughs> that Superman and Dreamer make for a brilliant new dream team. No, that was intended. Do do do. It's the dramatic DC Universe debut of Dreamer. When every hero on Earth is threatened by Henry Bendix's machinations who they're testing me uh, it's i made you read it because you're a better reader than me <laughs> it's a race against time uh not not today um, <laughs> it's a race against time for dreamer to warn superman before it happens but will this mysterious new allies premonition become a nightmare for jonathan kent uh superman son of Kal number 13 will be available at local comic shops on july 12th 2020 the issue will feature a main cover by Travis Moore and a 125 variant cover. Yeah, I think the important thing is it's a variant cover. <laughs> by Clayton Henry. Whatever that means, if you guys know, <laughs> then that's what it is. Uh, and then making his DC debut as uh, A.L. Kaplan, who created an open variant featuring Dreamer on the back um, of John Kent. 
So, uh, Morgan, what do you think about uh, this? We we read uh, a dreamer story in DC Pride uh, sometime back in the past. I can't remember exactly when that was. Uh, <laughs> At but, some point. <laughs> but, but now we're getting an official. I don't know. I thought that was the official debut of Dreamer in DC Comics. But they're saying this is the... I guess this is the first like official day continuity. Yeah. 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 I think that's what it is, but I, I don't know. I kind of felt like the other one was like dreamers introduction of the comics, but I guess I'm just being really technical about it. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, what do you think about this news? Uh, I'm definitely excited. I, I, I like the idea of her popping up in like an ongoing story and um, getting to kind of do some super heroics. The, the pride issue that we read, she was kind of on her own and just kind of doing her own thing. Uh, so it's going to be nice to see her, you know, interacting with some of the other characters. It's probably just going to be Jonathan Kent, honestly, but uh, it's going to be nice to see her, you know, kind of doing some superhero-y things and, and using her dream powers to uh, to let uh, let him know about some of the, the stuff that's happening. I think that's going to be really, it's going to be fun. And it's also nice that... Um, they're pairing Nicole up with a, um, a comics writer who's been on the book for a while. I think that's going to be like really valuable. I think sh it sounds like she, from everything we've read, is really excited about Dreamer, not just Dreamer, but like, you know, getting in there and doing some comics writing. So it'll probably be like a cool experience to learn from somebody who does it all the time. Yeah, I think um, that would probably be something that I would hope for just because uh, the the Dreamer story that we read in DC Pride, it was okay, in my opinion, um, but I was not wowed by it. So hopefully, hopefully Nicole will get another chance to kind of uh, go at it in terms of um, how to write for Dreamer, how to make some of those <laughs> dream powers make sense on the page uh, and make that very clear and um uh, I, I think Nicole is always very excited about the comics in the world of DC. So I'm excited that Nicole has another chance, another go at it. Uh, I'm just, I'm just hoping that <laughs> it is maybe a little, not, I, I don't want to say better written, but kind of better written. Uh, but uh, to be fair, Nicole only had like six pages or something in that story. Like it wasn't a very long story. And so, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to write something when you have so few pages. And sometimes you want to be like, oh, I want like a big panel with the art. And then you're like, wait, so now I'm giving up <laughs> the story yeah. to do that. So yeah, comics is a is a tough medium. I have like um, a ton of respect now for people who who do it all the time, and uh, it's not easy. So. I think, you know, she's that was her first comic story. So I'm excited to see what her second one looks like. I will say the art does look really good. Uh, it does. Think, it looks I, nice. I think the uh, the covers that I, I think these are all covers that they put out uh, from DCComics.com. Uh, all the covers look really like visually interesting and um, dynamic in terms of color and um and visuals. So I am curious about that because the, the art does look really good. I just, my, I, I have two things that I'm trying to like get over in terms of this. One is I, I'm glad for the character of Nia Nall and for Dreamer and for Nicole Maines as the actress who performed the character. I just feel like a lot of what's come after the show has like, once the show ended, it's like, Lena Luther's in a comic and uh, Dreamer's getting a comic again. And I don't know. I feel like <laughs> we, we've talked about the legacy of Supergirl on the podcast before. And I feel like sometimes the <laughs> legacy of the show is everything but Supergirl. And so I'm trying to like get over that personal 
personal uh, struggle, I guess, for myself, because I felt like the show did that all the time where it sort of pushed, pushed Supergirl out of the way and elevated all the the other characters, uh, which is fine, but not all the time. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm trying to get over that hump of it. And I also hope that this doesn't, this appearance for Dreamer doesn't um, kind of pigeon the character in the uh, transgender whole, because I feel like that could uh, limit the the character possibilities a little bit, or at least with the stories that are being told. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, I hope it's not just like all about like I want Dreamer to have a like a well rounded characterization of not just being this one thing. So I hope that's not what it is. I hope Dreamer's allowed to kind of grow and become more than that. Even though I know that's important to the character and that's important to Nicole and for DC Comics and for Tom Taylor, but I just hope that like. Uh, the character gets to, you know, be a superhero and not just just you know one thing. So I, I don't know. I'm I'm interested to see where they go with it and what kind of story they tell. I just I just hope that um, Dreamer at least gets more opportunities to, <laughs> uh, to to do you know big things. If they're going to use Dreamer, I hope that the character is respected. Yeah, I agree. I think that they did a really good job with that on the TV show. And and be, I have faith because Nicole's involved and she loves Dreamer. And, and I think that Dreamer being a trans superhero is a big part of um, her identity, but it's not all there is to Dreamer. There's so much more. There's so many that, dream puns. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I'm trying to say. And I yeah, don't know if yeah. I communicated that well, but, um, but that's yeah, I, what I'm... I, I totally understand what you're saying about like, you know, we've seen Lena now and we've seen Dreamer and like, where is Supergirl um, from the show is like as a legacy character from the show. But I do think in some ways it is cool that Dreamer is one of the legacies from the Supergirl TV show because Supergirl existed before the TV show and she'll exist after. Um, but Dreamer didn't exist before the show. So it is cool to see her pop up in the comic books and, and have a role. And, and it's, uh, it's gratifying to see that Nicole's involved because I think, you know, if there's anybody who really loves that character, it's Nicole and she, and as, as we know, she knows the comics really well. So I think it's probably a really exciting prospect for her to actually be able to write something for Dreamer in the actual constant. DC continuity and I- I'm excited to see what they're going to do with it. Um, I think that they hopefully we're going to are going to do a good job. I full full admission. I have not been reading this title because I'm super behind on comics in general. On everything on life mostly. Yeah. Just- yeah. So I'm not going to understand at all what's happening <laughs> <laughs> when I read it, but I'm definitely excited to see to see what it's like. Yeah. And the idea that Dreamer is now going to be in the main DC Comics continuity, I have a lot of questions because I don't know. I haven't been keeping up with like Legion of Superheroes stuff. So I don't know if Dream Girl is doing things in the comics. Are they? (laughs) They're probably not going to explain how that connects to dreamer probably not they're probably just gonna be like it's timey wimey (laughs) yeah so i i have a lot of questions because that that was never fully explained on the show just kind of mentioned in passing uh so so i was always curious about that but i doubt that will ever get explained but um anyway so i would be curious if they ever maybe i don't know i think we did we talk with nicole about having dreamer meet dream girl in some kind of timey wimey situation i feel like we might have i feel like we might have i know that i know that she knew a lot of 
about Dream uh, Dream Girl, and did she dress up like her for like Halloween? She did, and it was good, like it was good and por- portrayed Dream Girl perfectly. I thought uh, really captured the <laughs> essence of the character. Uh, so I was actually kind of sad that they never did that on the show, but. Not my, not my series. Not my series. I feel like I feel like it's comics, and you can just kind of do whatever you want, and then you can just like make up a like a doodad or a, a doohickey that that explains it all. It's like, well, by touching this stone we found on the ground, the stone of time doesn't matter. We <laughs> <laughs> we allowed them to meet, and I, you know what? If I've learned anything from Supergirl, from Crisis, from a boy Amade, it's that. <laughs> If that continuity doesn't really matter if you don't believe in it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what I would do if I was introducing uh, Dreamer into the continuity that would possibly intersect with Dream Girl. I would actually have them meet. That's that's what I would do. That would be really cool. If anyone cared what I thought about a story, (laughs) I think that would be really interesting. But um, I guess we'll have to find out uh, come July. July 12th is when that issue is coming out. So I guess we'll uh, we'll cover that. I don't know if Dreamer is just going to be in the one issue or if it's going to be like an ongoing thing. I don't know, but we'll have to check that out and uh, support your local comic shops if you can. All right. Well, I guess we should get talking about the uh, the comic book we gathered to discuss, which is Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow number four. The description for this issue reads, quote, Supergirl sets her sights on the Brigands, a group of dastardly nomads hell-bent on slaughtering all they come across. Now she must follow their path of destruction to find the fugitive they've been hiding who set her on this intergalactic journey in the first place! Exclamation point. Unquote. All right. So, Exciting. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so, Morgan, what did you... Uh, um, what did you think about this story or should I discuss my thoughts? Do you need to take care of any cat business? Oh no, they're just pushing a a Tupperware that they've knocked off the counter around the kitchen floor. And you know what? Let, let them have it. Let them have it. I don't need it. I don't need it. They're having fun. They're not trying to kill each other. I'm just going to let them have this moment of joy. (laughs) I mean, if we, if we need to, I can just uh, talk about my thoughts about the issue. It's fine. This is a this is a, a new experience because they haven't the lap cats have not been around for a little while. Yeah, they've been really sleepy. The uh, the they're uh, like night night drugs have been working <laughs> on them for the most part. But tonight it it seemingly didn't work. They knocked a uh, Tupperware off the counter. Now they are just pushing it around my kitchen. I just hear it on its incredible journey. Uh, <laughs> It's probably the end of the road for that piece of Tupperware, <laughs> but it is now a cat toy. So that's important. <laughs> well, if at any point you need to uh, to attend <laughs> to that matter, just let me know. I will. <laughs> okay. All right. So in, in that case, uh, what did you think about this story in uh, issue number four? I thought it was really good. I thought it was like, uh, I keep saying this with some of the, because the issue before was also... Uh, a little like dark uh, and a little bit um, brutal. Uh, But this one was also brutal. She just kind of goes from world to world and every world she's kind of too late to catch them. And she instead has to see everything that happened before they got there. So like a lot of death, uh, 
and a lot of destruction and it really wears on her as the issue goes along and it really like wears her down and it really um is, is sort of a a cross that she has to bear and i think it's it's really um it's really tough to see her in that position because we like to see her, you know, saving the day. And she, uh, it's a whole issue of her being too late to save the day, basically. Yeah. She uh, even has to watch it on a, a videotape or something on one of the planets. <laughs> the old VHS. <laughs> <laughs> they record uh, everything that happens. What planet was that? Uh, Tear come. A lot of these planet names have a lot of like triple letters and stuff. <laughs> so it's like T-Y-R-R-R-C-O-O-M-N. So I guess that's Tiracom. So yes, she's having to watch it after the uh, the fact that she's... Um, and, and even some where she's trying to prepare uh, some of these alien civilizations for a possible brigand uh, uh, attack. So uh, th- So she's either too early before it happens or she comes late after it's happened and uh, the devastation has already occurred. Um, so it is difficult for Supergirl because I think it I think it does mount on her as it progresses. But for, uh, for a little while, I think she does pretty well on being able... What I like about this issue is that she is uh, shown multiple times to take care of these people. And I really liked that. There's a, a sweet little <laughs> set of panels at the beginning where she picks up a a little baby who's been uh, ab- abandoned, I guess, uh, by, by a family member who's presumably uh, dead from from an attack. And she tells the baby, you know, it's going to be okay. You know, uh, don't worry. And I, I really like that. And then uh, there's a reveal where a, a couple of set of panels where she's feeding a, a somebody in a hospital bed. Um, and so I really like those moments of Supergirl taking care of people. She even uh, uses her super speed to help dig graves for um, this this local uh, local alien who has uh, lost a daughter and is taking care of his community by burying all the dead, and she does it so quickly. And he, I like that he calls her, you know, neighbor. He, he considers her neighbor after that. And so I think, for the most part, during the issue, I think Supergirl sort of uh, is doing what she can to help everyone and and reach out to these people in need. But it does sort of build up into her. And I, I, I want to clarify, make sure I was reading this correctly. She gets so uh, bogged down with the weight of what's going on. She flies into the sun. Is that how you read that? Yeah, that's how I read it. Okay. Um, because that's, that's kind of a unique uh, thing for Supergirl to do. Uh, I guess that's because uh, maybe she needed um, to, I guess she felt like that would give her more power. Uh, to be able to get through her pain and grief, I guess. Yeah, I, I've never seen. I mean, we know that the like the yellow sun powers up the super friends, <laughs> uh, the su- the super people, the super family, uh, yeah, the Superman family. Um, but I've never seen any uh, anything that I've read. Have I ever seen them be like straight into the sun? Uh, so that was new to me. I was like, is that? Not going to be a issue for her. <laughs> I think I've seen it a couple of times where they did it to r- revive themselves. I think it's usually with Superman. I feel like Smallville did that. Maybe. Uh, at the end of... Oh, what season was that? At the beginning of season eight, I think, Superman has to... Martian Manhunter has to fly Clark into the sun 
to revive oh, him. Oh, you might be right. That is sounds that season, familiar. Is that season eight? I can't remember. It was one um, of the later ones for sure. I, I feel like it was season eight because I want to say that was the same episode where they introdu- introduced Tess Mercer. But I can't remember. It's been such a long time ago. Anyway, um, the uh, the idea that she goes in there to regain some super abilities, I would understand. But this time around, she does it to kind of, uh, I don't know if she goes in there to scream it out or if she uh, goes in there because she feels weak. I, I don't know. I, I, but I did think that that was a really um, interesting choice to have Supergirl do that because it comes right on the hill, the, the heels of her uh, witnessing um, the devastation of a monastery, sort of a sort of an alien monastery on this one planet. And she she just can't take it. And so that's why she flies into the sun. So I thought that was a really interesting choice because uh, you don't get to see that much with Supergirl. No, definitely not. And I was, you know, when she flew away, I was like, oh, she's going to fly away and like, you know, uh, feel her feelings. Uh, (laughs) But I did. I didn't expect her to feel her feelings into the sun. Like that was I was like, whoa, she's really, you know, she's really upset about what's happening. Um, And I thought that that was a really interesting uh, character choice for for Supergirl to have her go all the way into uh, into the sun that far away to uh, to kind of break down and I think we've we saw it throughout the issue where she's really strong throughout the whole issue and then she finally breaks down after having seen however many planets destroyed at this point and all these people who've been you know hurt or or killed. And it's like, you know, at some point, everybody gets to their breaking point. And for Supergirl, she's Supergirl. Her breaking point is like straight into the sun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Mark says in the chat, uh, I think she did it because it was the only place where she could safely scream. And I think that's a really good point, because if Supergirl screamed, it would be very loud and probably cause some damage. So (laughs) so (laughs) if she did, if she screamed into the sun, it probably wouldn't have hurt anybody. Uh, So that's a good point. Um, let's see what else happened in the issue. I think, I think we covered a lot of it, but, uh, what were your, um, thoughts on, uh, I guess we could talk a little bit about, um, Supergirl and, uh, uh, Ruthie. Ruthie? Yeah. Yes. I was, I was like, do we, do we decide Ruthie? Um, so, uh, (laughs) Supergirl and Ruthie are having, uh, debates or, um, a little bit of little squabbles, uh, throughout the issue about, whether or not that uh, that Supergirl wants Ruthie to continue on the journey. Um, I was curious about what you thought about that. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. I, I like the way that Supergirl tries to protect Ruthie throughout the issue. She she won't let her into the one, you know, the one planet that has everything recorded on that VHS. She was like, no, I'm going to go. I have to go look at it. But you you don't want to see it. Yeah, she's and, just a kid still. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's she really does see uh Ruthie as a kid, even though Ruthie is, you know, has gone on this great quest for uh for vengeance and Ruthie is kind of the one who got her roped into this whole situation. But uh Supergirl sees, still sees her as a kid, as somebody who's really young. And I think at the end of the issue, you know, she tries to leave Ruthie behind. She keeps saying a couple of times throughout the issue, like this is my problem. It doesn't have to be your problem. Like you can go home. And uh, no matter how many times Ruthie is like, you know, this is my quest for vengeance that you're just kind of tagging along on. And um, I like in the, at the end of the issue, 
where Ruthie asks her, like, well, how old were you, like, the first time that you saw, you know, suffering or you saw terror? Um, and and Supergirl has to admit that she was really young, too. Yeah. And uh, and Ruthie's like, well, then what's, like, why is it different for me? Like, why why am I not allowed to go along on this on this journey with you? If you also, you know, if if you also experienced this when you were my age. And I think that kind of explains why Supergirl is trying to be protective is because she experienced it too. And she, when she did when she was young and she wants to protect Ruthie from like the bad things that she's had to experience. But I don't, I think at the end you, you kind of see that it's nice for Supergirl to have somebody else with her. It's nice to not be alone on the journey and to have somebody else to kind of carry the load of, of going to all these places and, and seeing all these things that are, you know, are, are tough to deal with. And I think that Ruthie being there has actually helped Supergirl and she kind of gives, she gives in and she doesn't say anything. She doesn't tell Ruthie like, okay, it's fine that you come with me. She just kind of just like lets her hop on, on board basically. And then uh, flies off to the next world. Yeah, speaking of uh, Supergirl sort of having to carry the load, uh, one of my favorite things about this issue, I really loved this issue, just, I'm just going to flat out say it, uh, overall th- uh, overall thoughts early, but I love this issue, um, and I really especially loved the ending where uh, Ruthie says, uh, quote, instead of answering, she bent down and I put my weight on her, unquote. Um, and I thought that was a nice um, way to show that Supergirl was <laughs> literally and me- metaphorically carrying Ruthie's burdens. Like this, Supergirl's going after Krim because Krim shot her dog. That's true. Uh, and <laughs> it, and it does sound like Crypto could still be alive in this issue. She, she says oh, she God. wants. <laughs> she says she wants to save her dog. So, so I don't think we can count uh, Crypto. Uh, out for the count, uh, and as as of this issue, um, but she's she's in it to save crypto. But I think on a a larger point, she's trying to help this young girl who lost her father. And I just when I, when I first read that um, that bit about uh, and I put my weight on her, I was just like, oh, that is so good because she's she's literally carrying um, uh, Ruthie, but she's also metaphorically carrying her burdens for her. Like she's, she's doing this because she wants to help, help Ruthie. And, and she's been helping all of these people throughout the issue. Um, and she hears all of their stories and, um, she even, uh, with the cemetery and the, the grave site, she even goes to find the remains of the, the local alien's daughter, like reunites that, that I guess man, I don't know what uh, what he would be called on that planet, uh, but because uh, it's not necessarily a person, it's like a little guy. Yeah. So <laughs> so 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 the guy on this planet who uh, unfortunately lost his daughter was looking for the daughter's remains, and Supergirl finds him. And and even though the daughter was murdered, at least Supergirl was able to reunite that man and his daughter um, uh, in death, I guess, if you were to say that, but I, I thought it was really nice that throughout the entire episode, the entire issue, (laughs) Supergirl has been carrying everyone's, uh, weight for them. And I thought that was a really cool way to end the story. Cause I think that's why, um, you know, I think it makes sense that Supergirl would fly into the sun and have that moment for herself where she could scream and release that because nobody else can really carry Supergirl's burdens. You know, like, I don't know that anybody else could 
do that for Kara. So I, I think she probably would re- realistically need that um, that ability to release those uh, frustrations or that anger or that sadness. So I, th- I thought that was a nice touch. Yeah, and I really liked how every time that they went to a different location, the art, like the color scheme changed. Not the art so much, but in some cases the art even. Uh, but the color scheme changed kind of like because we went to so many different places in this issue, it gave each individual place like a, a, a like a strong sense of of location. Like I felt like, okay, now I'm in a different place. Now I'm in a different place. Just, just from the use of the colors, which is, I mean, I think overall in this whole book, um, the art has been beautiful and the colors especially have been really beautiful. And, and I like that, you know, we've gone, we go to like, uh, places where the, the color scheme is kind of dark and gold. And we go to places where the color scheme is neon, um, <laughs> neon green, <laughs> neon green. I was like, what's happening now? Um, and you can kind of tell that you're in different places. You're with different, you know, different people, um, just from the colors, not like, not anything, not anything from the story. Like I could just tell I was in different places because of the, because of the colors or because of the art style. Um, in these different locations. So I, I thought that that was a really cool way of like visually telling the story of like jumping from place to place and from planet to planet, because I could tell that um, visually at a glance. And I think that that's one of the strengths of comics as like a visual medium is being able to use color or use style or, you know, to tell that story in addition to, you know, to the text or what you're reading. <laughs> is everything okay? I, I think they're going after like another Tupperware. Container. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. That's, okay. that's their joy tonight. And I'm not going to take that away from them. <laughs> I heard something rattle. So I wanted just to make sure, but uh, I agree with you. I think it was uh, nice that the art helped tell you, tell me the reader where I was. Cause it was difficult to keep up with all these new planet names. When I was making notes, I was trying to figure out, where I was here and what's special about this planet and why, why did they go here? And so the art does help uh, translate that a little bit so that it's not so much, you know, uh, words doing all the work uh, because it's just so much to keep up with. So the art did a good job with that. So I guess while we're here, Morgan, did you have any other uh, favorite pages or panels that you wanted to talk about? Besides everything. Besides uh, everything, yes. <laughs> uh, the uh, the through line on this run for me so far has has been not just that I'm enjoying it, but that the art is so beautiful. Um, and honestly, everything kind of looks like a painting that I would actually like put on my wall. Like that's yes. how beautiful, like the art and the colors. And there's always like this sense of motion to all the panels, even if it's just, they're showing you a town. There is like, you know, from high above, there's this sense of motion. There's this sense of life um, just in the art. I, I think um, the artist uh, Bilquist, uh, I can't remember Evely. Uh, their last name. <laughs> uh, Bilquist Evely. Yeah, they are incredible. Uh, just uh, such a such a strong artist, uh, and I'm just really loving all of the art in in, in this. Um, I think I really I really love uh, page do do do. I think it's page 24. Uh, it's right at the end when they're on the planet with like the uh, the blue sky and the oh yeah the the really red i don't know if it's a sun or a moon that's kind of in the sky with the like all the purple 
and uh and supergirl and ruthie on the top of this like hill kind of this kind of outcropping <laughs> um and it just it's so pretty that panel um and i i just think it, it kind of shows like how how kind of alone they feel whatever happened on this planet was so sad that like ruthie doesn't even want to talk about it and uh the idea them being up high and kind of looking out over the landscape but also being really removed from it i think you know you really get that in the art yeah, they're so small when when this whole story is kind of a big journey. They're so small up there at the top. Yeah, I think that is a really cool. The, all those um, like landscape uh, pages are really uh, nice looking to me. Like I'm thinking of page 21 uh, when they go to the uh, the monks of Ekvik. Uh, that's that's beautiful to me. The the way the yellows and the blues are mixed together. I thought that really gave a sense because uh, the page is talking about the, how the, I guess the monks, there are so peaceful. And so the, the yellows and, and the blues conveyed to me, at least a, a peaceful, calming feeling. So I really liked that. Uh, let's see for me, there was also, I'm trying to get back to some of the things uh, that I wanted to mention. So on page nine, when they go, when Supergirl and Ruthie go to uh, find this, this alien who's digging all these graves for all the people who have been lost in uh, his community. I, I thought it was interesting that the, the graves have uh, grave markers that are so, sort of like what we would think of, of uh, like graves that have a, a cross as a marker. Um, but instead of like a, a Christian cross, it's some sort of other, like stick with a like two sort of C's turned yeah, on each it other. Looks like it, it kind of looks like a trident with yeah. like uh with like a crescent moon over top of it. It's really neat. Yeah, I thought that was uh was interesting because when I first saw the uh the panel of the uh the local alien actually digging, I was like, is, is that a, is that supposed to be a cross? And so then I, I looked at it a little closer. So I guess, you know, I don't know what that means. Maybe it's some sort of, you know, special significance to the people of that community. Um, so I just thought that was interesting that um, here in the the panels, they had something akin to that. Uh, so I thought that was really interesting. Um, I also liked on page eight, the silhouette of Krem uh, killing uh, Flarg, I think his name oh, was. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I think silhouette is such a, a good way to show something so vicious and violent because you don't you don't actually get to see it, but it, it does show you what happens. But I, I appreciate not having to show me that. I like the, the idea that you're <laughs> you're not going to be a, very gruesome in the the drawing of that. that. And so I, I really appreciate that. And I think it's much more dramatic and effective that way. So so I like that. The I only, agree. The only other thing I wanted to mention was uh, how effective I thought the um, panels, I guess, on page six were. Uh, because when I first read it, I was like, why are they showing me these close-ups of Supergirl with a spoon with some food on it? Like, what, is, <laughs> what is the purpose of this? And as I progressed through, because I, I usually like to read it in the guided view. And so I only usually get to see one panel at a time. And then when I got to the panel where uh, she was actually feeding this poor alien who's been uh, attacked in the in and is in the hospital bed, um, that that was really uh, it was moving to me that you know 
to see super it being revealed that that's what Supergirl was doing was feeding somebody who had been hurt um, and uh, injured. And so I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. This is why we're seeing these <laughs> seemingly random uh, close ups of Supergirl with a spoon. So I, I really I really enjoyed all of that. So I, th- I thought the art was really great. Yeah, I agree. I really liked that that segment of the story. I also really loved the segment where she helps um, dig the graves uh, really fast and the way that they they show that visually with like all of the crisscrosses of the um, the red and the blue. I thought that, that was really cool. You you don't really see it happen, but you see all the crisscrosses because <laughs> Ruthie says she didn't see it happen. It just happened so fast. Uh, <laughs> and I think the um, the character in that in that segment really made me feel. They really made me feel for that character who's just been out there all day digging these graves um, so that the, so that the people, the dead from the planet don't have to go into a mass grave and, and, and this person lost their daughter too, which is extra sad. And, you know, they're kind of matter of fact about it. They're like, this is what I have to do. This is like, what's being a, being part of a community is like, but when Supergirl extends that kindness and helps out the, the little creed, like his, his, the tears come into into his eyes and i think that's you know it really helped me connect with that character even though that character is only on like three pages but i think that they the economy of storytelling in this issue was really good in terms of like you know we spend maybe a max of three pages in each location but i i still felt for all of the the struggles that all of these people were going through on these different planets including the uh the planet where Supergirl's kind of goading this giant, uh, this giant creature, and you're like, "What is happening? I can't imagine what's happening." And it's uh, she's basically trying to give this uh, this person the permission to break down and cry and feel their their feelings, which uh, you know the the issue uh, kind of circles back around on that and and has it gives Supergirl that same that same moment um, in, when she goes and flies into the sun. So. I just thought there were so many good, so many good moments in this issue, uh, considering that like we were basically all over the place. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we never stayed in anywhere like maybe more longer than like two or three pages, and yet like I still ended up really feeling for all of the uh, all the people that that she encounters in her travels. Yeah, I uh, I really liked the stuff with the uh, the the local. I'm just gonna call him the local alien who was digging the graves, uh, because I could see if if I was in his place, I could p- potentially be offended at Supergirl like coming in and just doing my job really quickly and showing off and and making me feel like crap because I I couldn't do it. Um, so I could see that being the case, but he's actually really gracious to her and she's an outsider. She's not part of their community, but he ends up calling her neighbor because she did something to help them and to help him and, um, and to do something that was going to benefit them and, uh, pay respect to all the people that they had lost. And so I, I thought it was nice that he didn't lean into, uh, being, agitated by her presence but he accepted her help and uh appreciated what she did for them so i thought that was really sweet um okay (laughs) everything okay 
I keep hearing little sounds. I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) If something starts uh, to smell like smoke uh, and they Uh set something on fire, (laughs) please let me know. (laughs) I'm just hoping for the best at this point. (laughs) Just hoping for the best. Okay. Well, um, I guess uh, overall thoughts on this one, Morgan. Uh, What did you think about this issue? Yeah, I really liked this issue. I thought it was really well done. I thought even though they didn't spend a lot of time in every single location, like um, the previous issue where they spent the entire time on that one planet and kind of uncovered a secret, here they just went from planet to planet. Um, but I thought that each each individual area they kind of uh, they kind of touched on and and made me really feel for the characters in that in that area. Here comes Beaker. He's tired of playing with the Tupperware. He's tired of it. <laughs> so now, now he must have his fame and his fortune. <laughs> right, Beaker? Right, bud? Do you want to get down? This is his new thing. This is, He likes to do this while I'm on meetings at work, too. Don't you? No, no, no. Not the, not the cord. Okay. Well, now you've <laughs> lost the ability. You've lost the ability, and you must go now. For the audio listener, Beaker had uh, a cord just... <laughs> In his mouth. It was the headphone cord, of course. (laughs) It was the headphone cord. He spent the entire time we've been on this podcast, both of them, uh, pushing a couple of Tupperwares across the kitchen floor. Um, When they got tired of the first Tupperware, it was a big Tupperware, too. It's like this big. And Bunsen (laughs) had it in his mouth at a couple points. I was just like, what is happening? And then they found another second Tupperware (laughs) uh, on top of, which I had on top of the, the microwave. That wasn't acceptable. They got up on top of the top of the <laughs> microwave. They batted it off onto the counter, batted it off onto the floor. And then they were like fighting over who got to play with it first. Hmm. There's a lot of things happening <laughs> in the kitchen. Do you think they'll take it back up on top of the microwave and like I don't bat it think down they're again? Gonna re- I don't think they're going to return it. The thing with them, <laughs> the thing with these cats is that like they make the messes, but do they ever clean them up? No, <laughs> they're they not going to return their toys. <laughs> they're not like, no, I'm done with it now. I'll put it away. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, uh, I'm glad we got to see Beaker. That was a treat. <laughs> Uh, and I'm glad he did not uh, gnaw and chew up your your headphone cord. That's that's. I'm glad. One. I'm glad about that as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I really love this issue. I I think these issues are, um, for me anyway, uh, the way that Tom King is writing these through the eyes of Ruthie. I really appreciate because he's he's able to communicate. I think what what Tom maybe I'm reading into Tom's thoughts I shouldn't I shouldn't uh assume things about his thoughts about Supergirl but I'm just going to assume based on the way he's writing about Supergirl that these are actually Tom King's thoughts but uh I think that the way he has Ruthie talking about her shows uh a love for the character and it it makes me love the character even more because um because of the way that Ruthie talks about her um, when, when Supergirl is sort of shooting up and going into the sun, uh, Ruthie says uh, things like this. She calls her the greatest warrior in the history of uh, this August reality we call home. Uh, she says Supergirl's power was not one of action, but one of restraint, endurance, and passion. Um, that she slowed herself to walk by your side. She put away her superpower so that she could actually walk alongside you. I thought that was a really uh, moving thing that uh, she said about Supergirl. 
And uh, and the last thing that I wanted to mention was that Ruthie said every moment of every day, Supergirl suppressed the forces, uh, I guess, churning inside her. Um, So I I really appreciated that because it showed that Supergirl was not just about being a super powered hero. She did all the super powered things to help those people, um, but she also met people where they were and uh, was able to um, kind of (laughs) manipulate her abilities so that she could uh, walk us alongside these people and hear their stories and help them out. And uh, I just really love that about, um, about this issue. And this, this story in particular is, I think it's showing why Supergirl is such a great character. Um, even if it's through the eyes of Ruthie, I think it's a, she's, she's a good every man sort of character, um, to be able to communicate those things about, uh, Supergirl. All right. Well, I guess that is going to do it for our thoughts on Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow number four. If you haven't bought it yet, Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow number four is available at your local comic book store. Highly recommend you go check that out if you have one. Uh, But if you don't, you can catch it on uh, Amazon, Kindle, Apple, iBooks, Barnes & Noble, uh, Nook, Comixology or Amazon, whatever that means, uh, Google Books and Read DC. Um, so that is where you can find it. And hopefully your Comixology experience will be better than our <laughs> Comixology experience. I'm getting I'm getting the hang of it. Kind of. Uh- <laughs> kind of. I'm still not loving it, but it, I at least can maneuver inside of it now, which I guess is a good thing. Yeah, I have to go searching for it every single time, and that's fun. But uh, <laughs> once I find it, it's kind of okay. Uh, <laughs> um, so we actually have a piece of listener feedback. So we have an email from Mark who writes, The way Cara takes in all this depravity to the point that she even that even she can't handle it anymore, and then essentially decides it's Girl of Steel time, where the brigands are concerned, was just so well done, and it really stuck. It really struck me uh, when I first read it. Um, on the page, I'm not sure which one DC Universe Infinite isn't giving me numbers, <laughs> uh, where Supergirl says she's going to scream, and that if she does it on that planet, everything that's left will break. I think she means everything on the planet, not just that ruin they're in. Why else would she wait until she's in the middle of the sun to let it all out? Okay, I I hate to interrupt the email, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on this, Morgan. So when Supergirl talks about uh, everything that's left will break, I sort of read that as her talking about her heart. That she was like having a a heartbreak. Like everything everything emotionally was breaking for her. Her her heart was broken. So I don't know if anybody else... I like that reading. I read it as like the actual temple that they were in. Uh, so it's interesting that we all we all had like the three of us had different reads on that. So you read it from like more of the emotional place. I read it from like this physical location that they're actually in. And Mark thought the whole planet she might uh, yeah. um, destroy with her, you know, her heartbreak. So I think maybe, that's maybe it's all of it. Maybe it's all of them. It could be. It could be all three. I mean, m- mine is kind of involved in Mark's. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. O- only that ruin will stand. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, so just 
before that, when they witnessed the stoning of the brigand, her really cold, did you? It's like a not humorous version of when Zachary Levi tells the robbers, you're dead in Shazam. After all she read of their um, barbarism, all she's seen of the ruination they left behind, she's fresh out of help, hope, and compassion for the brigands. She's got nothing left for them but justice. So I have a question for you about that. Uh, so we we see Mark's reading of it. Uh, he mm-hmm. shared that with us. Um, what were your thoughts about uh, Supergirl not saving the brigand, who I guess was being stoned to death? Is that it? How seemed you saw that, that way. Yeah, it seemed that way. Uh, I thought that was kind of a harsh turn for Supergirl. She's usually, um, you know, she's usually helping people even if they don't deserve it. No. <laughs> No, not now. Uh, <laughs> he can't trying to share some thoughts. He can't let it. He can't let it go. Uh, he was also shocked by that turn of events for Supergirl, <laughs> as you could uh, clearly see. Uh, no, but I mean, I think we spent the entire issue seeing what bad people they are, and so I could I could understand it. I think when you get you know. Um, desensitized the way that they were after like planet after planet after planet of suffering um, how Mark described it like as are you serious now the, the <laughs> tail was right across the camera just, <laughs> it's going great tonight uh, but yeah he described it as justice and I think I kind of uh, I kind of agree it's you know it's mob justice so that's not the best Um but it was hard to, it was really hard to sympathize with the Brigand, especially, you know, they show him there going like, it was fun. And we've just seen all the destruction, all the lives that were ruined. Uh, so I, I can understand why Supergirl would have a hard time caring or wanting to like, you know, uh, get in the middle of uh, of what was happening. How do we know they didn't um, have some sort of court trial they might have had a court trial we don't know yeah that might have been that might have been the judgment that they passed after a court trial it might have been like a like a death sentence and in even if they hadn't um i i think in some read you could probably or i would probably argue that supergirl was just not intervening in what that community wanted to do uh, I think there there is an element where I think uh, I, as a fan, would want Supergirl to to save someone uh, from being killed, but that I guess is justice for that character. And so, so who is she to stop that? If that if that community wanted to uh, use that as justice for what happened to presumably a, a terrible attack had gone on on that planet. I mean, who is she to step in and say, no, you shouldn't do that. So I, I don't know that there's there's two sides of that coin and two sides of that argument. But I would like to think that they held a fair and <laughs> speedy trial and uh, he was judged by uh, his peers of some kind. <laughs> and, and they decided uh, that this was the best punishment for his crimes. Yeah, that one was that one was a little tough for me because I was like, "Ooh, I don't know how I feel about Supergirl just like standing and watching it happen but i think what what you said is is very true which is like she was in a different community and that was how they had chosen to deal with it and like who is she to come on some other planet and be like no it should be this way um so i think yeah i can definitely see that perspective of the scene as well uh where she's like you know maybe it's not my place to to intervene in in this in this community's decision 
Yeah, but it, it was tough to watch, but it I, was. I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty cold. But I, I think there are ways that you can read that that uh, sort of make sense of it. All right. Well, I think that is going to do it for our discussion of Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow number four. And I think we are going to now get to some Supergirl radio and some DCTV plugs. If you would like to contact Supergirl radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Podchaser, and Spotify, where we also have a Spotify playlist that includes music featured on and inspired by the CW Supergirl TV series. We are listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. If you like what we do, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy our Supergirl radio live streams, make sure to subscribe to the DC TV Podcast YouTube channel and hit that notification bell to get notified when we go live and wired. DC TV Podcast also has a Tee Public store, so if you are in need of new DC TV related t-shirts, tank tops, sweatshirts, onesies, mugs, notebooks, pillows, or stickers, go to supergirlradio.com and click on the Tee Public store link at the top of the page. Supergirl Radio, Superman and Lois Radio, The Flash Podcast, and Legends of Tomorrow Podcast, Black Lightning Podcast, Bad Woman Podcast 2, and Titans and Doom Patrol Podcast just for you, Justice League Dark Podcast, Green Lantern Podcast, Star Girl Podcast, Strange Adventures Podcast, and finally my favorite on bunch, DC TV After Dark, where you're allowed to say and since we talked about comics this week, we have some Krypton, uh, Krypton wow, words, related designs in the GCTV podcast T Public Store. Uh, yeah, so I found, I, I, I put some Krypton stuff in there, and then we also had some Big Belly Burger stuff that I added to the store. Um, so uh, if you are interested in that, I put some new designs in the DCTV uh, podcast T Public Store. I was initially going to just do a Krypton set of things to talk about, uh, but then I saw a pretty uh, nice looking Big Belly Burger design, so I thought uh, nice. I could promote that as well. So lots of cool stuff in the DCTV uh, podcast T Public Store. Um, hopefully in the future, uh, maybe some Witch for a Summer exclamation point uh, designs. <laughs> Which for summer, <laughs> uh, Morgan and I have uh, been uh, sort of passing ideas around. I, I've I've uh, made some new ones that I need to pass Ooh. pass by. What you think? Uh, but yeah, so hopefully we'll, we'll have a witch for summer uh, collection as we move forward. So hopefully new things will be uh, continuing to be added to the DCTV podcast T Public Store. Uh, we would also like to thank our uh, Legion of Super Sponsors. These people are Michael, Sam, Anne-Marie, Yvonne, Quinn, Nicola, Leslie, Abby, Ermgard, Miriam, Nicole, Lizeth, Faith, Brian, and Ethan. If you would like to become a super sponsor, we have four monthly levels that you can find at patreon.com slash supergirlradio. And if you would like to keep up with me, you can find me on the social media platform Vero at Derby Kid, where I share what I'm watching, what I'm listening to, 
occasionally when I'm reading. Usually I start a book. So you'll see when I start a book, but you probably <laughs> won't ever see me finish one. Uh, but <laughs> you'll at least know which one I started. Um, I'm also on Instagram at the Derby Kid, where I share the occasional picture and or video over there. And I also have a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash duckmilkprod, where I do live streams on Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, talking about the critical reception of Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, reading through the reviews of the top critics from Rotten Tomatoes, one review at a time. I have uh, not been able to do that for a couple of weeks because things have gotten crazy in, uh, in my world. Um, and, uh, so hopefully I can start that back up next week. Uh, I've gotten really slammed with some, uh, videos I need to edit and that takes a long time. So, uh, unfortunately I haven't had time to go live on Sunday nights at 9 PM Eastern, but just, uh, check the channel and see when I've scheduled the streams and you can keep up with me there. Nice. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at MojoTastic. Uh, you can also find me as a co-host on DC TV After Dark and the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, where we have recently recorded our Drunk Riverdale podcast. Uh, and that should be going up towards the end of this month or the beginning of the next month. Which, had- which episode did y'all do? I'm just, you don't have to spoil. We did. Like, uh, oh, what- I. I couldn't begin to spoil what we watched. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I still don't know what happened. But it was uh, the finale of season three, uh, which seemed like, based on the finale of that season, uh, just a truly wild ride. So this is, uh, is this the one where um, where uh, Archie fought a bear? He talks about having fought a bear in the past. Oh, okay. That's something that previously happened. He does have to fight a guy dressed like a bear. I don't know. It was a little hazy through the wine. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) There are a lot of challenges that they have to do in the woods. There's a lot of talk about cults and uh, black market organ harvesting. Oh. Not sure why so much of that happens in that town. Chad Michael Murray is there harvesting the organs. That checks out to me. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It was was very... I I don't know what's going on with that show, uh, but it was hilarious. So we we all had a couple of adult beverages, (laughs) and then we watched the show with no context and just tried to figure out what was going on. One of our listeners kindly sent in some discussion questions <laughs> for us to ask each other, um, which we did. We also had um, as our one of our Patreon levels, um, we we don't usually, we, we're not live and wired like you and I are, but, <laughs> but for our patrons, we are. So we'll send out a link to our, our recording stream. So we had a couple people in the, uh, in the chat as we were recording, like asking us questions or giving us some context on what was going on. So we were like that's helpful thank god thank god because we had no idea uh so so that uh that should be popping up soon so if uh you might not be a legends of tomorrow fan maybe you don't listen to the podcast but maybe you're a big riverdale fan and you want (laughs) to listen to three girls who've had like half a bottle of wine try to figure out what's going on what was going on with that show that's the episode for you i'm into it so i can't wait to hear it All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Supergirl Radio. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Morgan Glennon. And we hope that you will check out Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow and support Supergirl Comics. 
McGurk. I Do love not typing. Not messing my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you like it? Is being, becoming a human burrito a plus or a minus? I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Kira. I love that. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther boardroom or ballroom. Because really? She looks like a boss in this coat. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther. It's not just Lena being mean. No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. So fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Yeah.